week. It is such an honor to be here with you this morning. Been hearing what God is uh, doing here in this church, in this community for quite a while now, but to be here and see it firsthand today is very exciting for me. Uh, it's been great to get to know your pastor. Uh, by the way, I, I know you know this, but you are served by some of the greatest leaders anywhere in America. Got a great team. But Pastor Jeremy and Janet are two of the finest leaders we have in our movement. It's been uh, great to get to know them over the past few years, consider them uh, friends. And uh, so uh, and the vision that God's given, wow. Been hearing what God's been speaking to this church and, and uh, your pastor's been dreaming dreams. And I love what he said there. There's a time to dream and there's a time to do. And I think we're coming into that season as a church where God is going to create for us a whole bunch of little uh, opportunities to obey and follow and do what he's asked us to do. That's really what the message is uh, this morning. But uh, Pastor Jeremy, thank you for your friendship. Thank you so much for your partnership and uh, for allowing me to be here and speak with your people today. Uh, well, as Pastor Jeremy said, uh, I lead a network of courageous leaders called the Church Multiplication Network. And uh, over the last eight years, planted over 3,000 new churches all across America. It's truly been a sovereign move of God. And last year, like he said, we had our record-breaking year. Uh, had the greatest number of churches ever planted in the 102-year history of the Assemblies of God. Isn't that amazing? Anytime you do something for the first time and you're 102, that's a good thing, right? I just, I heard you turn 90, Timber Creek. I'm telling you, you don't look a day over 25. I know you've had some work done. I can tell by looking around, but praise God, you're on the move, active and doing things and growing and expanding. It's so exciting. Got to take the tour with Pastor Jeremy this morning, just seeing people serving and huddled up praying together and the kids' environment. I'm telling you, you have a culture of excellence a culture where you're welcoming people who need to have the hope that we have in the church and God's going to use you in some tremendous uh, ways. Uh, we plant churches because churches are the greatest way to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Been this way since the first century. But churches reach four to five times on average more people than existing churches do. Now, you're the exception here. Not every church is like you. We've got baptisms happening on a regular basis. That's why new churches are so important because we see four to five times more people come to know Jesus and get baptized in water on average than existing churches. And in fact, in new church plants, almost half the people in attendance are there in church for the first time in their lives or the first time in many, many years. People are drawn to new things. And new churches kind of have a, a hunger, an energy, an atmosphere about them that's attractive to people far from God. And so this is why we plant churches. Uh, and you're going to reach so many people Timber Creek with what God is calling you to do. Uh, the, the campus that's going to be opening up in Nacogdoches. Still didn't get it right, did I? I'm sorry. Up the road. Uh, the church up the road that you're going to open in September. God's going to use you to reach so many people into the prisons and all the other places God's going to call you to go. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. You're going to reach people like the Robinson family. I want to tell you about them. 
Uh, the Robinson family is a family my wife and I met when uh, we started the church in Mesquite, Texas a few years ago that we started New Community Church. Uh, Pastor Seth uh, hung out with us there for a little bit, so we're old friends. Uh, but the Robinsons uh, were like any other family in America, any other family probably here in Lufkin, middle-class family, uh, living their lives, chasing the American dream, raising a teenage son, and uh, they, uh, they weren't addicted to drugs, their marriage wasn't falling apart, and they weren't on hard financial times. They were just your average family, they just didn't know Jesus, didn't think that the church really probably had anything to offer them or was relevant to their lives. Well, there was another family in our new church that had been praying for and inviting the Robinsons uh, to come and attend and just knew if they could come, it would be different than the churches they'd experienced in the past. And finally, Richard, the dad, agreed, brought his whole family, and uh, they were ambushed by the power and the presence of God when they walked into that church. And I'll never forget the whole family on one Sunday uh, all accepted Christ. Uh, they were sitting kind of back there uh, in the back and I came to the end of the message, gave invitation, and it was Scott, the teenage son, that was the first one to raise his hand for salvation. How many of you know it's gonna be our kids and our students that are gonna lead the next great awakening in this country. It's gonna be you right here with your passion and your gifts and abilities and your fearlessness that's gonna lead the next great awakening in this country. And Scott was the leader in his family on that day, raised his hand to accept Christ, and then mom, Ida, raised her hand, and then dad, Richard, raised his hand. And just a few weeks later, I had the privilege of baptizing that entire family in water on the same day. I think we've got some pictures of that day. Uh, there's Richard. All excited, hands raised, just like my man down here this morning, threw the hands up like he scored a touchdown. Praise Jesus. That's what we should do when God changes our lives forever, right? And then uh, Ida, both fists in the air, so excited uh, to be new in Christ. And then Scott, mouth wide open, new in Jesus. This is why we plant churches, Timber Creek, is to reach families like the Robinsons who are in your workplace and in your neighborhoods, normal families, living life, but they just don't know Jesus. And this morning in both services, we've got to see it play out. And there's families like this all over communities in East, East Texas. God's going to lead you to them. And God's going to give you opportunity to see them come to a salvation knowledge of Christ. This is why we plant churches. This is why I'm excited for how God is leading your pastor and leading you as a church, the body of Christ in this new season. Uh, it's, really, it's really awesome. Well, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. I want to talk for you, uh, to you just a little bit about a journey that you're on as a church, journey that you're on in your family's a spiritual journey, and listening to the voice of the Lord. But as you find your place in Acts chapter 16, let me introduce you to my family. Uh, there they are on the screen, my beautiful wife, Kara, will be 18 years of marriage this year. Um, we did get married when we were 11. Get that a lot. Look awful young. That's going to serve us well as we age, I, I believe. My oldest son, Cannon, there to the left, he's 12. He preached his first sermon ever in his life yesterday at Fine Arts. It was amazing. Five minutes. In fact, I almost stole it and just brought it to you. How happy would you have been if I'm done in five minutes? I've probably already been five minutes up here. 
But uh, he did awesome. I'm so proud of him. My middle son, Caleb, he's 10. And little Cooper uh, there with the big old smile. He's uh, going to be eight years old this week. So that's my family. Just wanted you to see them. And uh, it gives me a little more credibility, I think, when you see I'm attached to those people. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Here's what it says. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Isn't that an interesting line? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, assuming that they must, if they're not going to go left, they should go right into Bithynia. Uh, I know we don't have a map on the screen, but Asia would have been to the left and Bithynia would have been to the right and they're at this crossroads. The Lord doesn't let them go left and now it says he won't let them go right. Uh, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go that direction. Verse eight, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. You've heard from Pastor Jeremy. I don't want to belabor the point too much this morning, but I believe God has given this church your own Macedonian call and that he's calling you to go to places and to reach new people who need help. Isn't that the church? Isn't that why we gather, right? That God would use us, our lives, that he would use our families, that we could be a part of something that really matters. Otherwise, why come to church on a cold, daylight savings time, spring break? Why would you make the effort unless coming here and being part of the body of Christ is the greatest thing we could ever invest our lives in because God uses normal people like you and me with our sad stories, okay? to do incredible things for his kingdom, to help people in need. This is the calling of the church, and, and this is the calling of this church, Timber Creek. It's Macedonian call. Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. If you circle or underline, uh, I don't do that, but maybe you do that. Circle or underline, uh, at once. Immediately, we got ready right away to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The title of my message this morning is Don't Play With The Box. Yes, yeah, right. Don't play with the box. We've all seen that kid, right? They get a great gift. Maybe you've been the parent that has purchase this nice gift. You've stayed awake all hours putting it together on a special day. And this little child, son or daughter walks in and plays with that gift that you work so hard to purchase and put together. And then after about 10 minutes, they spend all the rest of the day crawling around and playing with the box. You've seen this, right? It's not cute. It's foolish. Don't they understand the lengths that you've gone and the price that you've paid and the hours that you've spent putting this thing together? Now they're just going to sit off in the corner playing with the cardboard box? 
God has given us some tremendous gifts in our lives, but often we neglect those gifts and we play with the box. What gifts has God given? God's given you a calling in your life. He's given you purpose. He's given you a specific direction. He is speaking to you all the time. God has given you the gift of leadership in this church, of a wonderful family here in this church. He's given you tremendous gifts. He's given you breath in your lungs, resources that not just to come to you, but that would go through you. God has given you tremendous gifts. Let's not do our own thing off in the corner, separate from what God is wanting to do with us corporately and play with the box. Let's take the gifts that God has given us and show off the goodness and the glory of our heavenly Father. Amen? So Father, we pause right now. I trust your Holy Spirit has been speaking to each and every heart assembled here today that it is not an accident that they're here, that you've ordained it, that you knew that they would be here. And God, I know just like you spoke to Paul, you're speaking to us all the time. It is sometimes, Lord, our antenna isn't all the way up. So I'm asking this morning that you would, by your grace, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive what you want for us to receive. We're on a journey. We're in different parts in this journey, all over the place in this room. God, speak clearly about the place that you're leading us to go and what you're asking us to do, that when we walk out, God, that we walk out on assignment with clarity from heaven and increased faith to live out our relationship with you in new ways. I pray a blessing over this church. Your hand is on this church. You're leading and you're guiding and directing this church into this new season. God, open new doors. Take them to new places to reach people that don't know you this morning. We pray that in your name. Amen. Well, a few months ago, I took my family on vacation. We went on a cruise. And uh, my boys, my three boys that you saw, had never been on a cruise before. So uh, they were really excited. And the great part about a family vacation uh, isn't just the week itself. It's like all the months leading up where you talk about it, you look at pictures, you plan, and, and uh, it's just all the getting ready for vacation, right? My boys were excited. They, they had, were asking questions about how big is the boat going to be and, and where is it going to go and do we really get to eat as many hot dogs as we want all week long? Like they really have that much food on the boat. And uh, so it was fun to kind of talk about it leading up. And then we drive up to the port. They lay eyes on that boat for the first time. And they're just in awe, overwhelmed that there could be a boat that big. And uh, I'm, the thing I was most looking forward to was to take my boys snorkeling. I was really in looking forward to uh, taking them snorkeling and, and seeing all the fish and the reef and all that. And so when the day came for us to go snorkeling, we were all pumped. You know, I talked to, to them about it for a long time. And so we, we get all the gear on, we get checked in and, and they look so cute with their little flippers and masks and snorkels sticking up. And we kind of waddled our way down to the end of the pier. And they've got some guides down there. And, and it was a little choppy that day. The water was choppy, it was overcast, it was windy. Not a lot of other people were out snorkeling that day, which I thought was a good thing. And so the guide said, you know, it's a little choppy today. Would you like us to help you out to the reef? We can guide you out. I said, no, thank you. I'm an expert. 
I've been two other times in my life. I know what I'm doing. So we got in the water, we formed a chain. I had the tiny one to my right and he had his older brother to his right. I got the middle one on my left. We've got a chain. This is a good plan. It seems strategic. And we were going to swim out to the reef. So we start swimming and I realized pretty quickly that we're in some shallow water and there's coral everywhere. Now, if you've been snorkeling, scuba diving, you know coral can tear you up. I mean, it's sharp stuff, right? And uh, so my boys were struggling a little bit to, to kind of get through this stuff, but I did what any good father would do. I pressed on because we have a dream in our heart to see the fish. And so we pressed on through the coral and I knew I got nicked up a little bit and probably they did a little too, but no big deal, no harm, no foul. And so we get out there to where all the fish are on the reef and, and uh, man, I can tell they're tugging on me. They're wanting to go back. And I'm frustrated because we just spent all this money to come on this vacation. I've been looking forward to bringing them out snorkeling and, and now they don't appreciate this gift that I've given them. They, they, they don't understand the glory of God's creation that we have a chance to look at here today under the water. Uh, but, you know, I could tell they were, they were needing to go back. So back we went over the coral again in the shallow water. So we, we get back to the pier and I pick my head up out of the water and they've got a nurse waiting for us, which I thought was a little odd until we all got fully out of the water. And I'm telling you, church, it was like a scene from Saving Private Ryan. Blood everywhere. All three of my boys, I mean, like chest down to their toes, they were ripped up, they were cut up, they were bleeding everywhere. It looked worse than it was, but it looked bad, okay? And uh, I'm getting stares from other people, like worst father ever. What, why would you do that to them? Uh, then I realized I'm bleeding. I mean, I got cuts everywhere on my body. I didn't really realize it at the time. My, my swim trunks are all torn apart. I lost my wedding ring on top of it all out there in the struggle. And... Uh, so I get back, my wife's there waiting for me. Yeah, you know how this is gonna go. She's not happy. She said, didn't you hear them yelling at you that you were going the wrong way? The second you got in the water, everybody over here is yelling at you, you're going the wrong They have a rope in the water that takes you to the reef. And you went over there to the coral. You're an idiot. Look what you've done to my sons. So she was not happy. She's freaking out. And then on top of it all, uh, uh, the, the guide there is like, oh, Mr. Chris, you went a bad way. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I learned an important lesson that, that, first of all, the day did not end how I thought it would end. It was, you know, just not exactly what I pictured in my mind. Life can be like that sometimes. But I learned that your direction is important. The way you go. The path that you take is important when it comes to the life that you live and the dreams and the visions that God has for you and your family. I believe that God is not only speaking to this church. You've been in this uh, season where you've been dreaming dreams, right? But I believe God's been speaking individually to each and every one of you and that it's not just about corporately what's happening, that that's all tied to individually what God wants to do in your life. See, God sees the season that you're in. God sees the places that you live and move and breathe and the people that he has positioned you to be around. 
God knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles that you've been in. He knows the situation that you face as you walk into the room today. He knows what you have in store as you go back to work tomorrow. God knows intimately. And what he's doing here corporately is tied to what he wants to do in your life individually. There's a journey that he's taking you on. There's a path that he wants you to go. And direction matters. Our obedience to him matters in these moments. And so I want to talk to you about a few things you need to know about the season that I believe you're in, in your lives and in your family and the direction that God is leading you. And the first one is this, it's in your notes. You can fill it in. Divine direction should lead to immediate obedience. Divine direction should lead to immediate obedience. Last week I was in Los Angeles on a trip and I was in my rental car trying to navigate the streets and the traffic, trying to get where I was supposed to be that day. It's a mess out there if you've ever been. Uh, I know they have nice weather and they have water, but give me Lufkin any day of the week, okay? Uh, so I'm, I'm in my car and I'm totally dependent on my GPS that's on my phone and the turn-by-turn -turn navigation that it's given me. So if it tells me in .2 miles go left, I'm going left, no questions asked, why? Because I don't know this city. I've never been this way before. I don't know where I'm going. So I need this thing to tell me where to turn at every turn, right? And, and that's really how it is in our relationship with God. We would never, you know, go into a, a community and think we know exactly where to go uh, when we go into a place we've never been before, right? We, we talk to the people, we get GPS, but in our relationship with God, sometimes we think we know best. We think that we ha have the direction that we need to go apart from the direction that God is leading us to go. And I believe as God is speaking to you and to your family, he's guiding you every step along the way. He knows where he wants you to turn. He knows uh, where he wants you uh, to go. He sees the end from the beginning. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's not only walking beside us, seeing what's right in front of us, he looks down and he can see the end from the beginning. He can see each side spanning all the way. He, he knows exactly where it is that he's taking us and the destination that he has for us. We serve a God that sees the end from the beginning. We need to let the Holy Spirit then be our guide at every turn. God is speaking to many of you to change some things up in your home, to be better disciplers of your kids, to maybe adjust your schedule so you can be uh, more present at home. He's maybe speaking to some of you about a career change to go from this uh, opportunity uh, to the next one. He's speaking to many of you about how you can plug in and be a part of what's going on in the life of this church. There's all kinds of things that God is speaking to you on a constant basis, but are we listening and are we ready to immediately obey him? And that's the difference. Because sometimes uh, we hear from God, but then we, we wait we say, oh, I just want to make sure that was God. I don't want to rush into anything, you know? So we're just going to, I'm going to talk to a few people. I'm going to read a couple books on the matter. You know, I'm just going to, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just give it some time and some space. That's where the devil likes to play in our lives. When we've heard from God, but then we wait to obey. Doubt creeps in. 
We start going a different direction than we were intended to go. We convince ourselves that that was just our own thinking that wasn't from God. When you've heard from God, act immediately. And that's the action point in this one. Listen closely and act quickly. When you're following the leading in the direction of the Lord, like Paul, it says he immediately left. They got together at once and moved on what they had heard from God. When you hear from God, church, in the direction that he's leading you and your family, listen closely, but then act quickly. Number two, as you're on this journey, as God is leading you into this season that you're in, individually in your family, you need to know that your obedience directly determines the destiny of others. Your obedience directly determines the destiny of others. The dreams, the gifts, the direction of God in your life isn't just about you. Isn't that our default setting though? How does this affect us? What does it mean for me? What's the ROI? Uh, the return on investment for, for me and for my family. And, and we always kind of default, at least I know I do, into how this impacts me. So God, what you're saying is you want me to do this and you want me to go there. But the obedience is not just about us. There are people on the other side of the vision, on the other side of the dream, on the other side of the calling that God has put on your heart, whose tomorrows depend on what you do with today. Their tomorrow, their destiny depends on your level of obedience to God today. So Paul hears this direction from the Lord, sees this vision of the Macedonian man who needs help, so they travel there, and now they're following God's plan. They don't have a plan anymore. Their plan was to go left, and then their plan was to go right, but now they've gone this way. And so uh, they're, they're being spirit-led in the truest sense. And so they show up in Macedonia, and they just start walking around talking to people. They just start preaching the gospel and praying as they walk, and all of a sudden they meet a lady named Lydia. You can read on in Acts chapter 16. You see her story. And Lydia heard Paul preach the gospel, and she made a decision to follow Christ and she was baptized in water right there. Now, Paul didn't get a vision of Lydia. He got a vision of a Macedonian man and acted on it. Now he meets Lydia and Lydia's destiny is forever changed because of Paul's obedience. They go on and they encounter this demon-possessed girl who just follows them around and kind of harasses them for a few days until Paul gets ticked off and he turns to the girl. He's not ticked off at the girl. He's ticked off at the demon. I don't know why it took him a few days, but I guess he was a patient guy. And he says to this girl and he says to the demons, get out of this girl. And he, he delivers her from this demon possession. This girl, her destiny was forever changed because of Paul's obedience. Paul didn't have a vision of a demon possessed slave girl. He had a vision of a Macedonian dude. But here he is with this girl and her destiny is forever changed because of his obedience. Now, her owners aren't thrilled that she's been um, delivered from this possession because uh, they were making money on her witchcraft and demonic possession. It was kind of like a circus show, okay? And they're making money. It's a revenue stream. So when she gets delivered and isn't 
doing her witchcraft and demon-possessed stuff anymore. They're losing money. They get mad at Paul and his group. They have them arrested and thrown in prison. That seems a little unfair for doing a good deed, right? So there they are in prison, singing and praising God as they're bound up in prison after doing the right thing. Because in their mind and in their heart, they're believing that if God has led us here to this place, it's for a reason and it's for a purpose. And we're just going to wait until we get his direction on the next thing. And in the meantime, we're going to praise the name of Jesus. That's thinking it's not about me, it's about others. That's their mindset in this moment. Of course, you know, there's an earthquake that happens. The walls of the prison come tumbling down. The jailer who was guarding them freaks out because he knows if the prisoners escape, he's going to be in big trouble, may even be killed. So his solution, this guy, okay, his solution is, well, I may as well kill myself. Not exactly who I would call a problem solver. Nevertheless, that was his solution in the moment. But Paul says, bro, hang up. Well, well don't, don't do that just yet. Listen, we're all here. We're not going anywhere. So this jailer had been watching Paul and this group for who knows how long. In their situation, bound by chains, praising their God. He'd probably already taken note. But now they have the chance to run free and they don't. They stop to have compassion on him. He says, what must I do to be saved? And he and his whole family, it says in God's word, are baptized right then and there in water. Paul didn't have a vision of a jailer. Paul didn't see the earthquake. Paul took one step of obedience and it forever changed the destiny of the jailer and his entire family. Paul goes on to plant churches all over Europe. This is the story of the first time that the gospel goes to the continent of Europe. Come on, you gotta get this. Who did God have in mind? God had Lydia in mind. God had this, this bound up slave girl in mind. God had the jailer and his family in mind. God had all these people, millions of people over many years that would be reached with the gospel through the churches that Paul would plant. He had them in mind as he's speaking to Paul. Paul, Paul took one act of obedience that impacted millions of people over hundreds of years. It, it's this time that Paul plants the churches in Europe that we read about in the New Testament. He plants the church in Thessalonica, and we see the letters to the Thessalonians. He plants the church in Berea at this time. He moves on and plants the church in Athens, Greece. He plants the church in Corinth. We have the letters to the Corinthians. One act of obedience impacted so many people beyond what Paul could see. Your obedience directly determines the destiny of others. So here's the action step, church. Love where you live. Love where you live. Love where you live. This is not a 
uh, a commercial for the Chamber of Commerce, Lufkin. Okay, this is an action. This is a, a love where you are. Be actively loving and engaging the people that are around you. Love this church. Love this city. Love your workplace. I don't care what job you do. You're on assignment there. Love in your home. Love your kids in a new way. Understanding that every single little act of obedience is having a direct impact on the destiny of so many people. We walk through this life kind of complaining, well, I want to get out of Lufkin as soon as I can, or, you know, I, I want to, I, I don't like my job, I want to get to a new job, and if only I could do this, and if only I could be there, and if only I had this. How much of life do we spend thinking about those things instead of actively being present everywhere we are at every moment saying, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to encourage? How can I invite somebody this weekend? What do you want me to say? Can I buy a gift for that, that family in my work that I know is in need? Paul was present at every turn. He was present with Lydia, even though he was going a direction that he didn't anticipate going. He was present with the slave girl. He was present with the jailer. He was present at every moment, loving where he found himself. Church, love where you live at every step, at every turn on the journey that God has you on. Point number three, serving others doesn't equal comfort for yourself. In this journey and Following the leading of the Lord, you need to know that serving others doesn't necessarily mean things will be comfortable and easy for you. Listen, Paul didn't drag his kids over sharp coral, okay? But he still got bloody. He was rejected numerous times. He was beaten within an inch of his life on countless occasions. He was imprisoned unfairly. I mean, he got bloody. Now, this would be a lot easier for us to process and understand if we could look back at the passage that we read and we see, oh, Paul, after God says not to go to Asia, Paul went to Asia. Shame on him. I, I bet this isn't going to end well. Then we see him get imprisoned and then we see him get beaten and rejected. Then we'd be like, oh, yeah, well, he went his own way. He was playing with a box, doing his own thing, right? right? Like, so it makes sense. But to read in the story that Paul obeyed the direction of the Lord. Paul did what he was asked to do and he still got bloodied. That's hard to wrap our heads around sometimes. Listen, this is a, this may be a prophetic word for someone or some people here today. I know you've just come off this five weeks talking about going all in. Some of you have made larger financial commitments than you've ever made in your entire life. Others of you have sacrificed and surrendered in the greatest ways that you, that you ever have. You've dreamed bigger dreams and you've prayed bigger prayers than at any other time in your life. You've been obedient. You're going the direction that God is leading. Others of you have recently made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been baptized in water not that long ago and you're feeling like getting back in church or making this decision is gonna be the solution to the problems that you've been facing in your life, maybe financial or relationship problems or whatever, that this is gonna fix all of that right away. And I wanna caution you that obedience to the leading and the direction of God 
doesn't mean that things are going to be easy and comfortable for you in the days, weeks, or even years moving forward. There is none of that in Scripture. The promise that we have is, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It is not, you will have a bigger house. All your relationship problems will go away. All the consequences of past decisions will be immediately fixed. I'm going to give you the job that you've always wanted, the car that you've always wanted. Your kids are going to shape up and act right from now on. We don't have those promises. All we have is the promise of his presence, that he goes with us in the hope of heaven. So a, a lot of times we think that, well, I've said yes and I've been obedient. That must mean, friend, not necessarily. But here's what God will do is he will use every twist and turn in your story, every perceived setback in your life to set up a greater demonstration of his glory and his ultimate promise. So here's the action step. Own your story. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Whatever scars you have from the past, whatever mess is going on, don't, don't shove it under the rug and pretend it's not happening. Listen, God is going to use that. God's going to redeem it. So don't run from your story. Don't hide from it or wish it was something different. Own the story that, has been, that God has been writing in your life. Every twist, every turn, every piece, clean and messy. And God's going to use it ultimately for his glory. Number four, the last thing. The impact you will make goes beyond what you will see. I'm thankful for that. If I could see everything, if I could know how it would all play out, I wouldn't be God. God wouldn't be God, right? God sees how it's all connected. God sees how he's using all of it. The impact goes beyond what we can see. We're limited in our understanding God is not. So I've been praying for you and Thinking about this message, I was reminded once again that I'm the result of faithfulness even when the whole picture wasn't clear. Just like we look here and we see Paul's vision of one man in need, he couldn't have seen Lydia, he couldn't have seen the slave girl, he couldn't have seen the jailer, he couldn't have seen the millions of others still being impacted. Same story in my life. About 40 years ago, there was a young married couple in ministry living in Alabama that couldn't have kids. At the same time, there's a teenage girl who made a mistake and now she's pregnant and her life has been turned upside down. Both cases, they made a decision to obey what they heard God saying. This teenage girl says, I'm not gonna have an abortion. I'm gonna carry this pregnancy and I'm gonna give this baby up for adoption. That's a courageous thing to do. This young couple in Alabama who can't have kids of their own says, we believe we've heard God say to us that we're supposed to adopt a baby. All they could see is they wanted to have a child. All they could see in their own is they wanted to bring home a little baby and raise that baby. They could not have seen all that would follow. This scared teenage girl who made a mistake could not have anticipated how God would bless 
her decision and multiply her one act of obedience. Now I share these things with you not to bring attention to myself, but let me just show you the ripple effect of obedience if I might. While my parents just wanted to have a baby, God knew what he was doing to bring me into their home, to raise me up in that environment. My parents couldn't have seen how God would use me in my life in humbling and amazing ways to preach the gospel literally all over the world. They could never have seen at the time 40 years ago that their little baby would one day plant a church in Mesquite, Texas where hundreds of people would make a decision to follow Jesus. All they wanted was a son. You think they could have saw the people in Mesquite in 2010? No. They could have never dreamed that their little baby would, would grow up and lead a church multiplication network, planting churches that are reaching now hundreds of thousands of people. Again, th this is not to show off what God's done in my life. It's the same for you. Don't you know you are the result of somebody else's obedience? Your rear end sitting in the seat that you're sitting in is because you had a grandmama that prayed for you. You had a dad that fought for you. You had somebody that cared about you enough to invite you to church, to take that awkward step to say, will you go to church with me? You are sitting here as a direct result of somebody's obedience maybe decades ago. The vision, what I love so much is you sent me that video last night, was looking at the pictures you put in that thing. People who dreamed dreams in the 30s God saw you. Sacrifice, surrender, obedience. So what the devil wanted to say is a mistake. God re redeemed and now it's my message. I'm here because somebody just took one simple step of obedience and the impact was so multiplied by a sovereign God it went beyond what they could ever see. So let me ask you, Timber Creek, what is God asking you to do today? Where is he asking you to go? What step of obedience is he asking you to take? I wonder if there are some of you that have been considering adoption and me even sharing that story that I changed in my message last night in my hotel room is the affirmation that God is saying, yes, I'm asking you to adopt because I don't, see, I don't see your baby. I see a destiny. Maybe some of you, God is saying, I want you to start a small group. And what you can see is we're gonna invite a, eight or 12 people into our house and we're gonna push through some of that awkward stuff and we gotta like clean the house and you know, we gotta have some food ready and, and I don't know how it's all gonna go, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it because we feel that God has asked us to do it. And what you don't see is the eight-year-old boy, the 11-year-old girl that's gonna follow their parents into your home that are gonna be discipled into this process and how God's gonna grow that eight-year-old boy to be a great evangelist and how God's gonna raise up that 11-year-old girl to be a pastor of a church plant or maybe to start a nonprofit that reaches sex trafficking victims. You could never see that. But this is the God we serve. That's what he's gonna do with your one act of obedience. 
when you follow God, you listen at every turn, you act immediately on what he's asking you to do, the impact. Students, the impact of what God is asking you to do will be so greater than you will ever be able to see for generations to come. So don't play with the box. Don't be off in the corner, filling around with less than God's best gifts. Take a hold of the gifts that he's given. Say yes to him at every turn and watch the miracles that he's gonna do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I know God's been speaking to people even before I got here. It's been a process of the Holy Spirit working on your heart. But I wonder if there's some people that would say, Pastor Chris, I am at a crossroads. I've got a decision to make. I've got a direction to go. To be quite honest, I don't know if I have the courage to do it. I don't know how it's all supposed to work out, but I at least can confess that I've got a decision. I've got a place that I'm at right now where I'm at a crossroads. Would you raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. Finances, work situation, all over the place. This is life. This is not even prophetic. This part, this is just life. God sees it and he knows it and he's gonna speak clarity, but you are gonna have to have the courage to step out into obedience, just like Paul did. I'm gonna pray that God gives you that grace and that strength and that courage this morning. There may be some here who your next step of obedience is to make a decision once and for all that you're gonna follow Jesus, to get your life right with God, no more playing around like this is, it's time that this is your, this is your direction. You don't want to swim off over the coral. Let's go the direction that God wants us to go. And he's brought you to a point of decision. If you're here, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart. Your heart's been beating even faster as I've been talking. You know this is your moment. If that's you, you need to make a decision to get your life right. Follow Jesus once and for all. Would you raise your hand right now so I can see it? Oh, all over the place. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All over the place. Yes, ma'am. In the back. Yes, ma'am. In the back. Hallelujah. Praise God. All over the place. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. The words that I say aren't magic. The power is in your heart to believe that they're true. If you believe that they're true, those of you that raised your hand, you can know your sins are forgiven. You have the hope of eternal life in heaven and the promise of God that he will always be with you. So if you raised your hand, we're gonna pray a prayer. And I just want you to agree with me in your heart, pray it to yourself and believe God's gonna change some lives today. So Father in heaven, you saw the many, many hands all over the auditorium of people saying, I wanna get my life right. I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. Lord, we confess that we are sinners. We've gone our own way and it's led us to be bloody. <laughs> So God, we wanna follow you, we wanna follow you. We receive the gift of salvation that you give through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, forgive our sins, teach us what it is to follow you, help us to become a fully devoted follower. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the grace not only to raise their hand, but to walk this out. For all the others that raised a hand to say, I'm at a crossroads, I've got a decision to make, God, I pray that you would give them a special outpouring of your grace and your wisdom, courage to do what Paul did, to immediately do what you've asked us to do, believing 
The results are in your hands and you're gonna do way more than we could ever ask or imagine. We pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Timber Creek has been my honor and privilege. I'll be praying for you. We're believing in you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. God bless you.